Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 46. Thanks for joining us. If you're considering a foreign language for your high school student, or if you are interested in languages in general, then you are in for a treat in this episode. The cast interviews one of the most enthusiastic advocates of French I've ever met, French teacher and department chair of foreign languages, Jenny Momola. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And I'm Hope, Bonnie's younger sister and a Colby alumna in a phase of life after being a student, but before becoming a parent. I studied communication theory and philosophy in college, then I went to law school. Now I'm an attorney, an avid home cook, and the fun aunt to Bonnie's kids. All right, on a recent Facebook Friday Live on the Colby Academy Facebook page, uh, Madame Jenny Mamola and some of her students conversed about the French language classes online at Colby and learning French and um, all the ways that speaking French and studying French is useful to everyday life. And we're very glad to welcome Madame Mamola to the Colby cast. Hello, thanks for coming to visit with us. Hi, bonjour, merci. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's quite our pleasure. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, when I was in high school, I wanted to study French, but my school only offered Spanish. So mm. I was quite unhappy about that, but I ended up really liking it and found that to be a good way for me to pick up other languages as I went on and accompanied umpteen voice lessons as a piano major. There were a lot of languages oh. happening there. French being among them, although that was more advanced, the the voice majors wouldn't get to French until quite a ways down the road. We would love to hear more about you and your family and how you found your way to Colby or how Colby found you. Great, sure. Um, it makes me laugh that you say that where you have to wait to be more of an advanced uh, singer to do French pieces because French is really hard to sing in. I will admit that it's because the vowel sounds can be strange when you're holding out a, a vowel sound in French. It's not quite as uh, pleasing to the ear sometimes as perhaps Italian, but um, <laughs> you know, it's got its other strengths. Um, so yeah, I'm the French teacher here at Colby. I'm also the department chair for foreign languages. I just took that job on this year. Um, and I've been with Colby for four years and we live in Florida. We have four children. We live in Tampa, Florida, uh, but I, um, did not even know where Tampa was on a map until my husband got a job here. So that <laughs> tells you how much I knew about where I was moving to. Um, but it's been a great experience so far. Uh, prior to that, we were uh, in California. My husband is born and raised uh, Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, uh, California guy. And we both taught at the same Catholic high school in the San Francisco Bay Area for about 13 years and I was the French teacher and he teaches theology. But when we decided to make this big move, um, one of the one of the reasons we did it is because we were having our fourth child and we were just ready for some change. And I really wanted to stay home with the baby if possible because I had already, you know, three times in a row I had done the thing where you, you have the baby and you do the six weeks maternity leave and you have to go right back in. And so I was really praying for a way to not have to do that again. And so he got this, the position he has now. And um, at first I wasn't gonna do anything. And then um, my sister, who's also a teacher, actually said, you know, maybe you should look into teaching online just so you don't lose your skills and you keep your foot 
in the door and just try to make sure you've got consistent work for when you are ready to go back to school, which was very wise advice. And I had heard of Colby through some of my homeschooling friends out in the Bay Area. Um, in fact, a couple of my friends had said to me, why, aren't, why don't you apply to Colby? It's such a great school. But at the time, there was no French program. And so I went to the Colby website for the first time to see if there were any openings. And I saw that they wanted to open a French program. And it was just amazing because I was like, I can't believe it. They actually want a French teacher. So I applied and um, it was really cool because I, <laughs> I had to do the interview and the mock lesson and everything like the day before I gave birth. I was going to be I was going to be um, induced. And I knew that. And we were moving. We were, had the whole house packed up to go to Florida. This is, this is a very insane time. And I just kind of thought, yeah. well, if this is meant to be, it is what it is. I'm going to do my best. <laughs> and hopefully they like me despite all of these crazy things. And it worked <laughs> out, fortunately. And um, and so that's how I got started. I started just with a like a level one, French one class. And then I've been slowly building it. Uh, every year I've added a class, basically. And then we also have French club, which has become a very active club. Um, and that's been really fun for me because that's really just celebration of culture, which I love to do. So, yeah, it's been great so far. And I've been able to stay, have a flexible job, be with my kids um, and then also grow with an amazing school. So it's been wonderful. Super. That's I recently caught one of the Friday rosaries that the French club led. I thought mm -hmm. that was so neat. That was really wonderful. Yeah, they did a great I job. I love to hear. They really did. It was. I was very impressed. And and to hear your story, what, what an amazing story, how it all lines up. I'm curious to learn how you got into teaching French. How long did it take you to become fluent? And when did you really embrace learning this language? So I started in middle school and um, I just took it because I thought it was cool. And I had a grandmother, I always attribute a lot of it to my grandmother because my grandmother was a big, big traveler. She was single, so she was able to do whatever she wanted. And so she traveled a lot and she would always bring me things from around the world. But she loved Paris. She loved French culture. She was definitely my fancy grandma. And she told me, you know, well, really cultured people speak French. Like that is a very sophisticated thing to know. And so that was, you know, I, all those types of things really appealed to me when I was young. Um, and she actually kind of bribed me and she said, if you keep up with your French and you, you do well, I'll take you to Paris when you graduate high school. But sadly, she passed away my senior year of high school. So that trip never happened. However, I ended up doing study abroad in college. And um, I do the motivation began as, you know, oh, this is so cool. And, you know, Mama will give me a trip and um, and then I just loved it. I just I, I it came easily for me and I loved it and I had a lot of fun with it. I was very silly with it, which I think is something that I always want my students to be comfortable. Just just do the silly accent, you know, just say things and don't don't try to be perfect at it. Just put yourself out there um, and just use it in whatever way. Like I remember in high school, my friends all asked me to make their voicemails in French on their phones nobody understood it no they just and I didn't really, I probably translate it completely wrong but I just did it because I was like okay and I'm going to show off my accent so then I did study abroad in college and at that point um I wasn't I think I was already going to be a French minor but after the study abroad I was like oh I should double major because I had enough credit 
and I just loved it so much. I mean, it totally changed my life. My study, I studied abroad in Paris, um, and it just completely changed my life. And I, I loved it so much. And uh, that's really, I always talk about it. My journey with French, I see two or three hurdles. And I think that that was one of the biggest hurdles I got over first was being immersed, obviously. I went from kind of knowing some academic French and doing okay in my introductory level courses in college to study abroad. I was like, oh, I can I can hold my own in a conversation now. I'm still making a lot of mistakes, but I'm not as nervous anymore. So that was a huge, huge change. And then I decided to major in it. Um, and then after that, I worked in journalism because that was my other major. I worked in journalism in a PR for a PR company for a couple years after college. And I really missed French. And I really realized I was not cut out for cubicle life because that's kind of where I was headed. Um, and so I decided to go get a master's degree in French. In grad school, I was able to work at French immersion schools in San Francisco because San Francisco has a really big French speaking population because of the tech industry. And so they actually have like three French immersion schools just in one city. Um, and so I was able to work for those while I was in grad school. So I always felt like that was kind of a final hurdle of getting me really, really strong with my communication skills because they would correct me and they would be like, you're, you know, they would, it, they, you know, they weren't worried about being polite or anything. They would correct me. And, um, you know, it only takes a couple of times being really embarrassed to make you learn it and move on. So, um, yeah. And then after that, so I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I teaching was actually not even on my radar, which sounds ridiculous because I was getting a master's in French literature. It's like, what else are you going to do? Um, <laughs> and there are a lot of teachers in my family. So I was kind of in denial. And I just thought, and plus I got married in the middle of it. Um, and we had our son really quickly. And my husband is a teacher. And so I was just kind of like, well, what can I do with French? But I did, I, I had worked in those French immersion schools and it had gone really well. And my, the school where my husband was working happened to have a French opening and it was part time. And they knew I had a master's. Uh, I had like this much teaching experience from those French immersion schools. And at that point we just had a baby we had all this graduate school debt. And it was like, you just need to get a job. And I'm like, all right, fine. So, so, I mean, it was amazing. Again, it was all these little God opening doors. They just hired me. I don't know why. And I had no experience, but I had a master's degree. So they liked that. And then I worked there for 13 years and I really learned teaching. I learned how to teach in the classroom and I had an amazing French uh, colleague. So we were one of the schools, one of the few schools in America that had enough French students to have two French teachers. So she was the full-time teacher and I was the part-time teacher and I ended up doing other things to supplement later. But um, she really mentored me. We became very close. Uh, she's no, she's not. She stayed a year after me and then she ended up retiring. But um, I mean, I learned almost everything from her <laughs> as far as teaching goes. And I loved it. I loved my students and I realized quickly like, duh, this is a perfect vocation. I love kids. I can be creative and I get to teach French and talk about French and talk about all the things I love. So um, it's just funny how that. So, so that was a long story. But yeah, sorry. That's how that's how it all went down. Yeah, those oh, stories are it. the it's best kind. 
I thought I was going to be some kind of fancy writer in Paris. I'm going to be really honest. That's kind of what I thought yeah. would happen because I was a French and journalism major. Mm -hmm. But then I had the vocation to marriage and motherhood, you know, and so that changes things and it changes your priorities. Um, and while I would still not mind being a fancy writer in Paris and, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't mind that life. It's not really what God had in store and, you know, it's it's I can I can enjoy those types of things in different ways. So, yeah. So I took two years of Latin and one year of Italian when I was in high school with Colby. And then I took four semesters of French in college. And I had the best of intentions of keeping my French up after those four semesters. But the little crepe shop where they had a conversation club that I intended to go to closed shortly after I finished my time in my French classes. So I am unfortunately very rusty. I, I feel a little like a poser claiming my French knowledge, but it's in there in the background. Somewhere. It's there. It's definitely still there. And you probably would find that you remember more than you think. It's, you know, you understand, you definitely probably understand a lot. And then it's usually just the communicating back that is the big hurdle. I actually just started um, tutoring my friend's father, who's in his 70s, and he he asked me to because he is French. His parents were French immigrants to California, um, and they spoke French in the home. But he once he once he got into school and stuff, they really wanted him to really learn English and assimilate. So he kind of stopped. Um, but anyway, all of our sessions, he knows everything. He know, he really does, and he was so he was so. Um, worried and self-conscious and he just he remembers so much more than he thought he did so I'm sure it's in there somewhere where you were telling us some very interesting things that I did not know about how how prevalent French is used throughout the world and yeah I think the main thing that people don't realize is how prevalent it is in the world like it actually is they just think of France and um, if they know a little bit more about the world then they realize you know they think oh well it is spoken in some African countries um, but it's like over 250 million people are speaking it. And then the big shocking statistic that always makes people listen is the fact that it's projected to become one of the top three languages in the world due to the rapidly growing population in Africa. So it may not be their principal language in some of those countries. It may just be one of their languages, but they do use it in school. And so um, in those countries, most people can speak French. Um, and so it's spoken widely, widely around the world and people don't realize that. And so um, in business, in certain career opportunities, it is uh, advantageous to have French. Um, and most people don't think that. They think, oh, you need to have Spanish or Mandarin, um, but it actually does cater to certain industries. Um, I just think that's always important for people to realize that. And then the other thing that I think people don't realize is how similar it is to English. And it's P uh, my student, Peter Campbell, made a joke about it in the Facebook Live, but he's so it's so true. He's like, well, sometimes when I don't know what I'm going to do, I just say an English word with an accent and it lands. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it actually works, <laughs> Pete, because there are so many cognates. And we have borrowed so much from the French in the English language. Um, you know, because, you know, England and France are neighbors. So uh, it's it always surprises my students how many vocabulary words you can just do that. It's like, oh, it's the exact same word. And I just kind of go, uh -huh, and then there I go. I've got it. So I, I think those are the two biggest things that people don't realize. And they always think, oh, I'm never going to use it. 
or it's not worth it. It should only, you know, basically you should only be studying Spanish or Mandarin or whatever. And um, I, they're wrong. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. Do you find with uh, families, do they decide between Latin and French when they are enrolling or do they tend to do both? Well, the students tend to do both, to be honest. And I've had a lot of students who maybe did Latin, um, you know, in elementary or middle school, and then they decide for high school, they want to switch to French. And I do have a few who are doing it simultaneously. And that's the beauty of Colby is you have the, you have the time, you have the schedule, you can make it work if you really want to. Whereas the previous brick and mortar I used to work for, and I think commonly in brick and mortar, you know, you have to pick one language and that's all you have time for the way your schedule is, um, or they don't offer all these different options. So that's, what's nice is I, families, uh, they're able to give their students opportunity to do both. Um, I think I would say the majority of my students are not doing them simultaneously. The majority of them have Latin background and then moved on to French. Um, but I do have some who've done both. I remember it was a huge relief to move from Latin to French with the verb oh. endings because I had Latin yeah, I in high school. And then when, when we got to conjugating verbs in French and they were only what, six instead of 10 right. endings. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is a breeze. I can do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is true. Uh, that, Conjugating is a little less complicated. So yeah. it's not, it's definitely not as obsolete as I think the average American assumes it is, but not, not by a long shot. Mm-hmm. So I just like to put that out there because I think it's totally worthwhile studying. And I think people tend to just, you know, dismiss it. And then also, um, it's interesting with Colby families, I've found a lot of them have some kind of family connection. And that's one thing that inspires them to take French, like a grandparent, or I have a couple of parents who speak French, um, you know, something like that, or it's family heritage or whatever. So uh, it's nice because I do tend to have students who really want to be there. They're very interested and they have some kind of, they already have a buy-in in one way or another. And so that's uh, really nice as for a teacher. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there are so many benefits beyond, I know how to say this in French, there are so many benefits beyond that to acquiring more languages, which is beyond the scope of this conversation. And I I don't think that's news to anyone who would be listening to this. But that point was made to me when I was undertaking my music degree, like Mm -hmm. this extends beyond the actual practice of music. And in your case, the, the conversing in French. So, Tell us then, you've you've really cultivated this French program at Colby. Tell us about the classes that are available and, and how mm-hmm. the online language classes work. So we have right now for online, we have French levels one through three. And then I actually do have an independent level four class, independent study level four class this year, which I believe is going to happen again next year, but it's not completely set in stone. Um, so one through three, it's it, we meet twice a week live. And um, for levels one and two, there's also the opportunity to take language lab or it's French lab. So that's an additional meeting per week. So if you're a French one student who's also in French one lab, you would see me three times a week. So three hours a week, live instruction, and then also collaboration with classmates. Um, and the same goes for level two. And then for level three, we don't have a lab, but the class is longer. So it's a 70 minute class. I'm gonna say that and that's probably, it's like it's like a little under an hour and a half, basically. It's like an hour and 20. Um, so we'd get a lot of time, even though we don't have the lab opportunity. And that's 
honestly, I think just logistics, because a lot of those students at that point are juniors and seniors and their schedule is so packed. And um, so the labs, though, are really nice because it's in the actual live class. I really have to get through a lot of material because we are only meeting twice a week. And then when we come to lab, we have time to do a lot of practice. They get a lot more mic time. They get a lot more conversation time and also listening comprehension. I do a ton of listening comprehension in labs. Um, so I'm trying to recreate, you know, a language lab, trying to recreate uh, as much spontaneous conversation as possible with those two. And then for the independent study class, that just kind of grew out of one family really wanting, really not wanting their child to have to stop studying French. And he had been with me all three years. And so I asked if it was okay if I did independent study and they said yes. And then actually a couple more families joined on. And so um, that's been really cool. It's been a challenge for me to um come up with curriculum that i think will meet all their needs um but but, but fun because it's a creative side interesting we have yet to do an online language course with colby with the language study we've done has been your homeschool course and and using the materials the colby course plans for that so thinking about how it works in an online format that's really interesting and it sounds like it works so well though i the the french students i heard who were leading the rosary they sounded beautiful it, it they sounded very comfortable speaking like i'm praying the rosary in french and it's like no it's like nothing <laughs> yeah like, it was not amazing. nothing of course not nothing but it's they didn't it's even like, sound nervous they just no. went for it they were amazing and i will say okay two of those kids are from Canada and who have French speaking parents. So I will, I'll give you that. But that was only two of them and there were five total, I think. And the rest just wanted to do it and they've kind of honed their own accent and they just practice and they were, and one of them was a level one student who's never taken French before. And she was just like, oh yeah, I'll do it. I mean, she has like no fear. Um, so she did great. And so again, the um, practice, practice. And that's the thing, you know, the downside to, to online is that we're not together every day, you know, and universities, I'm sure you guys can, you know, like you, you take your foreign language every day. That's like the one class you have typically four to five days a week because you're trying to get as much immersion and speaking practice as possible. So we don't have the time like you would in a regular brick and mortar. But, um, you know, I, I try to really give them lots to do in the meantime and lots of things to practice. And those who practice, those who really just put it into their daily lives are the ones who are successful. You know, I say things like, OK, go to your room and count all of your socks or, you know, just count things around your house. Tell your mom and dad things in French. They're not going to care. They don't understand you. But, you know, just do it or talk to your dog in French, like practicing <laughs> commands. I'm like, do the, all the commands in French. I give them tons of songs. I'm really, really, I, I love music too. And I'm really into teaching by songs. I give them tons of songs to listen to um, and uh, websites to go on to practice. So that is the cool part is the internet gives us all these amazing free resources that I didn't have when I was studying you know, in high school or college really. Um, so practice is key, like music. I mean, you just have to do it every day, you have to if you're going to go anywhere with it. Um, so that's that's kind of how we how I try to encourage them. And some don't do it, but some do. A lot of them do. Mm -hmm. Oh, that unstructured communication time sounds great. As you were talking about the language lab and having class four or five days a week, the clearest memory I have from my college French classes was on, I was on my way to an oral exam and I had been like, I had my flashcards because I was always much better at writing it than 
conversing mm. in it. And so I had my flashcards. I'd prepared. There were like three potential topics that the oral exam could cover, movies or family or something like that. And this was in 2013. And as I was walking to my exam, I got a text that there was white smoke from the Vatican that we had oh. a new pope. And I was thinking, it was a text from a friend who said, come on, we're all going to go watch and see who the new Pope is. Can you come join us? And I wrote back, no, I have this, I have a French test that I cannot skip. And so I walked in and I was trying to like sort through my head to figure out how to say there is white smoke. There is a new Pope <laughs> in French. And somehow I got it. And, oh, wow. and my professor completely rolled with it. And I then panicked and realized I had outsmarted myself because I had studied for the topics that were available on the test. Yeah. And then we conversed about something entirely different, um, yeah. but she was excited to hear about it too. And it was, I think the first time that I kind of went off script like that and yeah. saw, wait a second, I can use this for more than just the academic side of things. This is something that I can use to converse about things that are happening right now and yeah. there's this whole realm of ways to communicate that I haven't tapped into before and so that was always that was really neat and that I still have a clear picture even like of the of the classroom of sitting there and talking about the new pope in French we didn't even know it was Pope Francis yet that's so cool um, so that was really fun yeah that's a fun story that's so funny because at that exact moment, I was teaching the imparfait, the imperfect tense to my French classes. And I had just written the story on the board about an explosion. And, I, and as I'm saying it, so like, oh, il y avait, or il y a eu une explosion. And then the principal gets on the PA and says, there is smoke. And so all the kids were like, what? What is going on? Like our lesson is becoming real. It was the craziest moment. And we all kind of just like looked at each other and I'm like, wait, they're talking about the Pope. Oh, okay, okay. But it was so funny. An explosion. Smoke. It's a crazy oh. moment. For sure. That's, couldn't have yes. planned that one. Wow. No, not at all. Not at all. It was nuts. I'm sure they know if they don't remember anything else, I'm sure they remember that. Now. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. So <laughs> funny. The, yep. So funny. Forget that. So kind of building off this idea of taking the language beyond learning it in the classroom and into lab and into conversations, you mentioned that the French club is really active and that sounds like a great opportunity for students. What kinds of things have you been up to with the club lately? So the club is open to all Colby students. And I did that on purpose because I wanted anybody who's curious about the language or the culture to feel welcome and to see what all of our superstar French students are up to. And then of course, I'm hoping that'll make them say, oh, maybe I should take French. Um, and, and in a couple cases, it has actually. I have had a couple people move from homeschool or self-paced French to online French because they want to know when they want to know those other kids. So we meet once a month, and I have two delightful co-presidents, and they set the agenda, and they do a great job. And we typically are just celebrating culture. So it's whether it be from France, but or other Franco uh, francophone countries, um, and there's almost always some kind of cultural video or a current event video and then recipes. They love to swap recipes. They love to watch anything about French food and then music. We play a lot of music in there. 
Um, and they, the, I mean, the chat is just blowing up. They all have so many comments and questions and they love to be together. Um, and then we've also made it sort of a tradition to try to perform something in French in the both the Christmas show and in Colby's Got Talent in the spring. So in, the, in Christmas time, we do traditional French carols. What we've done so far, and maybe as I become more technologically advanced or if Adobe's bandwidth increases, we'll improve the way we do it. But for now, they video themselves singing like a little clip of a song, and then I put it all together. And so it's just each kid doing a little acapella solo of uh, French songs. And they love to do that. They That's what's so cool, again, is they are just not afraid. I don't know if I ever would have been brave enough to video myself singing a song in another language that my whole school was going to see. But they're so happy to do it. I had to like pick a longer song because there were so many kids who wanted to do it. And um, so that's been really fun. It, that's been fun for me to have them come together and be excited and it's encouraging for all of us um and i think that hopefully the club will just continue to grow we'll get to do more things they all want what they really want is to travel what we all really want is to go to france together yeah. but you know obviously with covid that's i don't know how any of that's going to play out but um that would be the dream right I've, I've done student trips in the past and they're so fun. That's neat. Eventually, there's that word, eventually. Yeah. The cultural dimension of it is is very interesting, especially with, as you mentioned in, in your Facebook Live, the story of the church in France and the influence of the church in French culture, where it is today and pulling it all together. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that is another element to it I haven't mentioned. And um it's so awesome to be able to teach at a Catholic school where I can talk about all of that because I mean the 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 French culture and the Catholic Church are so intertwined you can't even you can't separate them. I mean even the most secular French person is going to know some feast days off the top of their head because it's just the yeah. way their culture has developed and the way I mean their all of their bank holidays have are actually Catholic feast days. Um, and so they all, it's just, it's just who they are. It's really, really ingrained in them. And it really it contributed to my conversion as well. I'm a convert. And, um, when I was at Baylor and going to do study abroad, uh, I know I've said this before, it was just kind of like, uh, Baptists don't have any of this. This, this is amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I mean, I knew it existed, you know, theoretically it all exists, but when you're there and you're seeing it and you're immersed in all of that, it was like, okay, wow, there's something else going on. And now I really want to know more. And I think that uh, studying French really led me in that direction. I don't know. I don't know where I would be had I not done that. I, I actually heard another teacher say recently that he doesn't know where his brain would be without Latin. Because he started it so young and he's been doing it so long. And that's exactly how I am about French. I don't know where my brain would be. I think it totally changed my brain and it changed my heart. And I think that without it, I would not be who I am. So it's, I do think language can do that for you. Because um, it just, like you said, it's so beneficial for the brain, like music as well. And so I think it's worthwhile for anybody. Do you think in French sometimes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I talk to myself in French and or I talk I, I talk it. to myself about situations that I'm mad about a lot when I, t I tend to talk to myself when I'm angry in French because maybe I don't want anybody to hear I don't know 
And I like to pray in French. Um, that's just, it's a cool experience. I mean, I'm sure you can relate. You can probably you pray in Latin. It's, it's, it's just different. It's a different part of your brain. It's like a different way to communicate with God. So, yeah. Yeah. That's so true. When it, when it's so, so much a part of you with, that you're thinking that and you don't even think, okay, I'm going to practice my French now. It's just right. part of you. It's really neat. And other schools, language is thought of as an elective. And here it is again, this comes up with some of the other electives and I'm using air quotes for, you know, music studies or even the humanities. We've had several conversations about those. They tend to be viewed as optional or we just got to fill in the schedule a little bit or whatever. This is where the actual heart and soul is. This is what makes us human. And they're, they're so intertwined. All of the disciplines come together in in these ways rather than yeah. being compartmentalized in, in the various studies. So I think this, here's yet another example of that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. It's, it is frustrating for, to watch schools de-emphasize language learning as well as music programs. The classes sound fantastic. I, I'm ready to sign up. Like, let's, let's do it. It <laughs> <Yay>. sounds fantastic. <laughs> and it sounds like there is opportunity for that, which would be fantastic, which would yes. be something for families to reach out to. The academic advisor? to pursue enrolling in the French courses. Do you have any thoughts for those who are undertaking the, the homeschool language studies, especially if you might have a certain fear factor about approaching them and getting started? Do you have any tips for those who are, who are just getting started? For parents or for students at home? I was thinking of it from the parent side, but mm. I know in the high school, and the high school level, so much of it is independent. And the course plans that I've seen for the language mm-hmm. study, that's very much independently geared, like do this and then check this yourself and, and things like that. But even for parents who are getting started, maybe with younger students or just trying to support their high schooler in that independent study. Yeah, I think um, and it all depends on their situation, right? They may have already studied it in the past themselves. They may have a family connection, so they have an advantage in that way. But if you were truly like new to a language, and your child was also new to that language. Um, I think obviously you just follow the course plan, but in addition, you just like I tell my students, find ways to practice. You have to find ways to practice. You've got to hear it. Because our, our curriculum can only get you so far and you you can conjugate some verbs and you can learn some vocabulary, but they need to be saying it out loud. They need to be using their ears and their mouths and not just their eyes and hearing it, speaking it or listening to other people speak it. There's tons of kids shows available, um, and I use them in my classes, but just on YouTube, little children's, I mean, at least, and I'm sure it's the same with Spanish, all kinds of very sweet, innocent French cartoons available online for for free. I mean, entire entire seasons of certain shows, like Caillou. I, I know that's kind of a preschool show, but it's based out of Canada. And so they have a whole French version. Also, Peppa Pig. There's tons of free Peppa Pig on uh, YouTube. So that's one way to go. And then also, there's just so many free resources online. And um, you might have to dig through it a little bit. But um, there's there's a lot out there and a lot of a lot of amazing educators, but also just people who are interested in language, putting free resources out there. And I just think that you have to, you have to practice and you have to find ways to, like I said, using your mouth and your ears and not just your eyes, because it's more than reading and writing and and they're going to get a buy-in. If they're watching an episode of Caillou and they think it's funny and they hear a funny sound, you know, 
if they think the accent is interesting or whatever, or, you know, read if you're, uh, you know, read the Madeline books, but even, you know, start in English and then try to find some in French. Um, the Little Prince. I can't recommend The Little Prince, Le Petit Prince. I can't recommend that enough. Read it in English first, and then maybe you can say, oh, we can build up to reading this in French. Have you had a hand in writing the the course plans for the homeschool French courses? Do you oh, like yeah, those? I, I wrote all of those. They didn't exist. I French came into Colby with me. I, I brought French to Colby and vice versa. Yes. <laughs> we are one. It sounds like with the French club being open, if you're taking one online course, you can participate right. in the clubs, right? have students who are doing homeschool French, but who join our labs. They do just the labs. So that's another opportunity if people ever oh, thought of okay. that. And we have that same setup for Spanish. So um, if you're doing a language at home and you want your child to have a chance to practice with other high school students, we have the labs. What do you think about audiobooks? Do you have some audiobook readers that you like, like French audiobooks that might, would that be a good way to kind of? I think that's a great way. Even like The Little Prince, if you find the, the chance yeah, to yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah. book series. I can think of some book series that I think would work. But, uh, oh, yeah, I think audiobooks are awesome. Because, um, you know, just how, how kids learn. I mean, think about when you have a little kid and you – they learn so many songs, right? They learn songs, and, they're, and they're just out of the blue. They don't know what they're saying. But out of the blue, they're just singing, like, an entire song. Or my kids, my husband always – plays uh he has a, the bible on cd that's very old and for all four kids he puts that on next to their heads <laughs> and they go to sleep and they my four-year-old can just recite like entire passages from you know the gospel of john or whatever mm. she has no idea what she's talking about <laughs> but it gets in there and so doing that with french yeah. would be a great idea too i mean i love music and so i have massive french uh, playlists on my own, you know, Spotify or whatever. And I listen to French music all the time. And I, but, you know, if you are an auditory learner, which I definitely am, that is, that's where you're going to get the accent. And then you'll just start memorizing chunks. You're going to memorize uh, certain expressions and it'll just pop out of you. Like, like what, what happened with you with the white smoke. Um, <laughs> so the more you can bring it in, the more input, 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 input. It's like kind of a hot word right now in language education. But um, but honestly, it's just the more you can expose yourself to it, the better. Super. That sounds like a good strategy. I Here recently, I just, we were studying sound waves in fifth grade science. And so we were looking up, we watched uh, an MRI of a singer singing Frere Jaca. And I'm not, oh. I probably said that terribly. They were singing Frere Jacques, and they did an MRI of, a, of the person singing. And we got to it by looking up sound videos, and That's it was so just cool. neat to hear her singing it. So that was kind of neat. Yeah. Anyhow. At the French Immersion Preschool where I worked, her main, uh, the, the lead teacher, her main uh, strategy was music. And so she would, because um, these were, most of those kids were not French nationals at all. They were just average American kids whose parents wanted them to have a second language. So she would just make tons, at the time it was CDs, she'd make tons of CDs and give them out to the families. And we just sang constantly. We just sang, and, and you know, that's how it is with preschoolers as well, but singing and hand motions, and then, you know, five or six expressions they always knew, like all the directions, you know, like sit down, get a drink, whatever, line up. And then before you knew it, with all the songs and everything, you'd have this little adorable four-year-old just come up and say something to you in French and... 
like I, you really know this and your accent is amazing and your parents aren't even French so yeah I think music is major it's, it's very very powerful it sure paves the way a lot of the time it can kind of oh, circumvent yeah. some of the other stumbling blocks I think yeah this has been a fun conversation and lots of great tips for families if you have any other resources that you want to throw out there that we can include in our show notes uh there's there's a couple of uh websites that are completely aimed at younger kids for learning french that have a lot of, have a lot of the traditional songs and little cartoon videos that go with it and like little nursery rhymes and stuff that that people might want to check out because even if they're aimed at little children um it's the high schoolers kind of have fun with it because they're like they know this like oh i know that story that's Little Red Riding Hood. So that then they can immediately start making the connections like, oh, well, in French, she's a petit chapeau rouge. And so. Super. That sounds great. Thank you. Yeah, thank oh. you. Merci beaucoup. Marie, notre mère, priez pour nous. Marie, et trois du matin, priez pour nous. Saint-Maximilien Kobe, priez pour nous. Ad Majorem Dei Gloriam. <laughs>